power. Everything that we need really is in your living word. So we thank you for this time with you. Just open us up to hear what you have to say to us today, Father. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So uh, today we're going to talk about the mother of all living things. Amen. The mother of all living things. And uh, those of you who know, we're speaking about women in general. Eve was the first woman, and all women who uh, are in this world are descendants of hers. And we're going to talk about how she was assigned that role in life and how that role is Uh, carried out in everyday living and and how God wants it carried out. So if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, um, after God created the man and woman, they fell into an act of disobedience. And the woman was deceived by the serpent, but the man, because he had a covenant with her, remember the covenant said, I will leave father and mother and cleave to the wife, the leave and cleave principle. It's still in force. The only mother and father Adam had at that time was who? Hello, don't be afraid to answer. It's not a trick question. There's only three people in the garden. (laughs) But yeah, God was their father. So picture this. When God creates Eve, creates the woman, but she was woman before or Adam before she was Eve after the fall so that'll give you an understanding of uh, why that assignment was made to her Uh, but anyway before the fall there was Adam first and through his being alone there was created a desire for companionship So women are created out of man's desire for companionship. Contrast with that with, I don't need no man to take care of me. I don't need no man to boss me around, tell me what to do. I need no. You know, that's a lie and you know it. Your only problem is you can't get that brother to act right most of the time. That's, That's the only problem we have with that. Yeah. He ain't acting right. You, yeah, I don't need you. You know how that works out. But anyway, uh, but <clears throat> when she was brought to the man, he had been asleep. Uh, and God fashioned that sleep and did a surgery on Adam, removed part of his body, removed the the rib actually, and formed her from that. That will give you an understanding of why we know that you can take bone marrow and create cells now to treat people with. There are people that have blood that's diseased and they can remove all of their bad blood and infuse bone marrow from a healthy donor. And those springs, those cells will spring forth and and, uh, correct that deficiency in a person's life. So that's always been in the Bible. Look how long it took us to... Figure that out. Understand what I'm saying? So all the answers to life are there if we'll look for them. But when she was brought to the man, 
it fulfilled such a, a, a desire in him and completed such a need in life to him that he just totally forgot God was there. He said, I believe God and I'm going to follow you. It's called the wow factor. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, some people are so unromantic. They just say, well, why would he do that? Ugh. I don't got no romance in y'all. So, I mean, we say, but we ain't dead from crying out loud. Christians, scared to tell the truth half the time. So anyhow, the wow factor was was released there in the garden and he made a covenant and a commitment to her now when in the presence of god your words are sincere they're pure they're heartfelt they're genuine and they bind you into what you're speaking into that's why when we pray and we pray in faith, we can be so sure that that's going to come to pass. Because in the spirit, in the presence of God, those words are, are correct, they're pure, they're binding, and they will come to pass. And so when he said, wow, I like this one so much, I'll follow her and leave you. Read your Bible. That's exactly what he said. In the presence of God, he made a covenant with the woman to leave father and mother, which he only had God there as his parent. He saw no other father and mother nowhere. He wasn't talking about natural people. So we're talking about the real wild factor. And it holds now. With a man who is sincere, who voluntarily makes a commitment to a woman, that holds even now. Will leave father and mother and cleave to. Some of them get so stupid, they'll run away from home following some girl. What y'all holding your breath for? <laughs> Seriously. Baby where you stay. Baby where you baby baby where you baby where you baby where you huh? mm-hmm. So it's still real even though it's perverted now that man has descended from the presence of God. But that need desire relationship is still very much real and it's still very much there. Sometimes you wonder, <clears throat> and on a real twisted, perverted side, you will see men get possessive, start stalking. Women will do the same thing. They've got to, you know, they got to look at your odometer to see how many miles you've been driving today when you come. <laughs> now y'all have really met some, some. See, y'all been protected around here. Y'all kind of spoiled. But there's some real characters out there. Got me. They come, you know, the minute you put your key in your door, they right behind you. <laughs> huh? So, you know, it gets twisted sometimes. In fact, it's twisted in a lot of situations. 
but that desire to make a commitment is there. You got me? It's always there. And so out of that commitment then, once the woman was deceived and ate of the fruit, he had no choice. He was bound by his words that he had already spoken to her. There was no doubt in Adam's mind what he was going to do. If she did anything, he was going to be there with her, whether it was good, whether it was bad. That's why you can expand on those words that he spoke there in a marriage ceremony. For better or for worse, richer or poorer, sickness and health, forsaking everybody else till we die. You got me? I'm yours, you mine. And so when that commitment was made, the man then entered into the transgression knowing what he was doing. He was not deceived. She was deceived. He entered in in full knowledge of what he was doing. Okay? He had no idea what the consequences of it. He was doing what he did as an act of keeping his word, of keeping his commitment to her. And that's how that happened. God honored it because God made a way back. See? Got me? So he said, my man kept his word to her. I will keep my word to them and make a way back for them. Had Adam been deceived as well, he might well have let her go by herself. He might have divorced her himself right there. Got me? But he kept his word that his vow that he had made to her before God he was able to keep. So they both were expelled from the garden and they were cursed. And every generation after them that's born is cursed, that carries that same curse as well. They knew a way back because in the garden, God had slain an animal, made coats of skins for them, and that was their instruction for how they get back into the presence of God. There would have to always be an altar of worship set up and the shedding of blood for them to get back into contact with God. So in verse 20, though, in verse 16, though, uh, God begins to pronounce his judgment on the man and the woman. He says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. So when the conception is multiplied, you see miscarriages, you see uh, births not coming to term, uh, you see a lot of missed opportunities to give birth and sorrow in conception. So then children are bought, brought forth into the earth through great pain. And so and even so that the, under the Old Testament, uh, when a child was born, there had to be a sacrifice made for that child because you brought another soul to sin into the world. You got me? And so it was taken very seriously uh, by God in that way. And he said, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow in conception. In sorrow you shall bring forth children. And your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And so this whole um, relationship going from the wow factor and a voluntary uh, uh, leave and cleave vow made to the woman now gets twisted and perverted in that the man has great difficulty and struggle in making the earth to produce 
the woman now has to have the children in sorrow and in pain and great difficulty. And so because life has become so hard for them, they have to split up in a way and split up their duties and split up their responsibilities. And so then Adam, he said to Adam, because you hearken in verse 17 to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree, which I commanded you saying you shouldn't do it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth to you and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for dust you are and dust you shall return. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So God gives her the assignment and the husband gives her the name. Because he says your husband shall rule over you, then he has the power to give you a name, give you an assignment, give you instructions as to what to do. He is your Lord in all things. Now, in the New Covenant, the Bible says the husband is the head of the wife, not Lord. And you need to know what the difference is. A Lord is somebody who gives you instructions that cannot be altered. They have a dominance over your life. Head refers to a more benevolent title of someone who is your benevolent uh, leader in life, who is the source of help and guidance and instruction, vision, all of those kinds of things. So if if I am the head of something, then I'm here to to set certain guidelines and so forth for everybody and to make sure things are managed, but you don't have to be here. Got me? You don't have to. So then to the woman, the the New Testament says submit to that. He's the head, so submit to it. So it implies a freedom not to do either. But outside of that covenant of redemption, there is the lordship of the man of, of, for the woman. And that's why in a relationship where there is no covenant, women feel used and men feel underappreciated. All that stuff comes with it simply because of that, that uh, curse that's on that relationship and role and so forth and so on. Now, you can work with that and God can bless it. If, you're, if there's a marriage covenant, God can bless that and soften the impact of that lordship so that the Lord then becomes a head in a sense, in a marriage. Outside of a marriage, that's all you have. You have that lordship of the man over a rebellious woman who refuses to submit because who wants to have their life lorded all over for someone? And that's why a lot of times in the world people just refuse to get married. They don't want any parts of it. They, they see right through it. You know, if I get involved with this, he's going to do this and that and the other thing. They have the prenup, the postnup, the in the middle of the nup. Huh? They draft new rules all the time. People want to write their own vows now. They want to, most, mostly they don't want to put anything in. They want to take stuff out. See? That's already in there. 
Well, then they then the marriage isn't holy if you can't adhere to God's rules for how to run a marriage. See, if you look at a marriage, even if you're a sinner, you look, that's a step up from what you know it to be. See, it's 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 an equal give. You give what what he pledges this to you and you pledge the same thing to him. There's no dominance of one person over the other person. You're both expected to do your part. And then God blesses and honors that marriage. And he can cause it to be. Marriage really is the closest thing you're going to have to being a Christian as a sinner. And you see so many people want no part of it. So it's hard to get people saved. When you get them saved they come into the church and they don't want to have any parts of a saved Christian life or a married life either. They just don't, just want to live like they want to live. Because it's gotten such a bad reputation because of what people have, have said about it and not what they have experienced in it. See, if you're single, I can tell you anything I want to tell you about marriage. Because you haven't experienced it. And this is what's happening in the world. People are being told all kinds of lies about what a marriage is. People don't tell you if you have a marriage covenant, that same man that wants to beat you and your child and leave you all the time will all of a sudden start getting kinder to you because God will honor your relationship now if you will try to work at that relationship under God. God will try to help sinners if they're married. He, that's why it's called holy matrimony. Because God watches over every marriage if it's under his rules. He's not going to watch over any kind of homosexual stuff. No, it's just nonsense. See, that just shows you how far people have deteriorated in their thinking. Now they're making a mockery out of marriage. It's, it's been held in such low esteem in the earth when the Bible says marriage is honorable. It's to be held in high esteem. But see, we as, as, as carnal people, you know, carnal people in the world, they'll, they'll uh, degrade anything, see, just because people think so wicked in their thought life. But marriage is honorable. If you will believe that and hold it in high honor and high esteem, then you'll be able to enjoy a marriage and you'll be able to enjoy a life that God honors and that God will respect and obey. But you have to understand what God implied here when he put the man and the woman together. He meant for them to work together in life, for them to get along. If you don't get along, you sit back and you reflect on what you promised to do. Am I keeping my word as to what I promised to do in this relationship? Just because the other person doesn't, doesn't exempt you from keeping your word. You keep your word to a boss. You keep your word to neighbors. You keep your word to all kinds of people. You can keep your word to a spouse as well. In fact, you should do that first. If you do that first, God will bless the rest of it. And your life will go a whole lot better for you. But see, somehow when people get involved in relationship, they all of a sudden start counting what they get out of it first. And start manipulating and working for what they want Instead of being the person to give and sow into the relationship. When is somebody going to sow into something and nurture it and cause it to grow? One of the biggest problems for the, the women to carry out 
their God-given role in life and to find happiness and contentment in it has been the women's movement that started in the 60s. And it started from a, a group of women who felt it was time because, now let me tell you what happens when God does something in the earth. We had a Christian-led movement called the Civil Rights Movement, started in the late 40s and early 50s where people began to protest and boycott discrimination in the South, all these laws that had, you know, separate facilities for whites, couldn't sit together at a, at a, you know, at a lunch counter and all this foolishness. And one day God looked down and said, that's a travesty. That doesn't line up with I made everybody equal and I'm not going to put up anymore with people lording it all over each other like they're God. So I'm done with it. And so he started to move on the hearts of people to correct these injustices. Now, just as it was done in, on a racial sense, other groups of individuals decided they wanted to have their piece of the pie as well. So that's where the women's movement came from. Women saw all this march and protest and all this uh, legislation being changed in the favor of blacks and they thought, well, we'll get our piece of it too. So why don't we start a movement that says we don't want to be tied down in the house anymore. And we don't, The first thing that they began to attack was the definition and assignment that Adam gave to Eve back in the garden to be the mother of all living, to be the nurturer. To be the one, the birth giver, as well as the nurturer. So the woman has a dual role as far as being the, the, uh, the uh, mother of all living. One is an internal birthing or an internal nurturing. And that is when a woman uh, is pregnant, she nurtures and houses that human life inside of her until it's time for that life to be born. Then there's the nurturing on the outside of the womb. That that woman is then commanded by God to care for every life that she brings into the earth. And so you know that there are some people who are fit for that, some people who are not fit for that, for whatever reason. Many times women cannot care for children because economically they don't have the means so society and the women's movement comes in with an answer for that. And that is the government must now pay for daycare for children, for mothers who feel that they can't be there to nurture and care for and take care of those children when they're small. So when you have a government that comes in with laws to help you disobey God's role for you, you wind up with a lot of confused people in society. There are people now, there are women that, that I call them closet stay-at-home moms because the women's movement has so put down the nurturing, our external nurturing role of women, it's been degraded. So that now women don't want to stay at home and take care of children and they frantically look for a job because they think they're supposed to do that. And if you care about your family enough and you want to stay at home and take care of your own children, you're kind of looked down upon and frowned at by other women who think that that's not, you know, it's not modern. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And so there is a fight here and a struggle here for women to work through this role that God has called us to 
that is called to bring dignity and purpose to your life. Now you're being told by a culture that you don't have a whole lot to do with. You just live here. But you're being told by this culture that what you do as, as far as nurturing is not valuable. What you do is not um, uh, sought after. It's not important. Uh, and, and yet there are many women who would probably be a lot more content if they could stay home with their own children. But they've chosen a path that now doesn't allow it. Because not only are we told that that role is not something that's valuable anymore. Now think about it. That was the first thing that Adam told her when he found out they were on their own. He said, you've got to take care of everything living. Because my life is so hard now under this curse, I'm not going to be able to do much except this right here. So if this, this society, if this race of people is going to survive, you're going to have to take care of that while I go out and do this. Now we've seen that for years. We've seen the man as the head of the household and the provider going out, making a living for the family, and the woman stays at home, takes care of the children. And then when they're old enough that they can get in school or she can get some free hours, then she goes out and she has a job and she's able to maybe supplement and they can have a few more things. Now it's kind of an automatic. They don't stop working for anything. And so what is happening to this role as nurturer of the children? What's happening? What's happening? See, this is what people don't want to look at. Church people don't want to look at it. Because I can tell by the way my words are hitting out there into nothingness that it's really not being received. You know, it's really not. Because our heads are so filled with what society tells us. You know, this is, a, you know, you, know you, don't, you, don't, you don't have a career. Well, I wouldn't care what call what you have one either. You know, why are we talking about it? You make coffee for some man you ain't married to. I wouldn't do it. I don't care what they paid me. Huh? Seriously? Huh? And we call it a career and we call it a, you know, we're doing our thing. But there was an assignment made to the woman. An assignment this is not uh, if you feel like you want to do it or if your husband makes enough so that you can both live well and live high on the hog and, and then you can stay at home. But And most women ain't looking for nobody like that either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Intelligent men scare a lot of women. <laughs> oh, we got time to go there. Huh? You think we don't have time to go there? <laughs> oh, yeah. We do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure, we want somebody who plays Nintendo all day long. Because he's going to sit there and you can go and do what you want to do when you want to do it. Because we're so afraid somebody's going to lord it all over us. 
Anytime a man seems like he knows what he wants to do, that's scary. You mean he ain't going to keep moving. Huh? Huh? All a man has to do to get respect is act like you know what you're doing. Act like you're going somewhere. Act like you got plans. Act like you don't have no time. Huh? That's all you got to do. You get respected. Oh, sure. The minute you, she see you ain't got a job and she's interested, something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's something you don't understand. That was a role given to a man by God. He said, by the sweat of your brow, you will work and you will take care of you and your family. And that's your role. Amen. You see a man out of role, there's something wrong with him. Amen. And if you like that, there's something wrong with you. You need to let him stay at home with his mama until he finds out who he is and what he's supposed to be doing. Let her continue to raise him. You know, some of us are fast learners and some of us are a little slow. And you moms with grown boys know what I'm talking about. Come here, sister. Put it right there. That's right. Yeah, put it right there. you go. That's right, baby. It's Mother's Day. Right. You know what that means. So they got to stay in the cooker until they're done. Uh-huh. You come in there with your little witchcraft and want to pluck them out. Uh-huh. Let them stay home. Amen. Amen. Because his mother loves him. She's just trying to make a man out of him, get it to the place where he can stand on his own two feet because she knows he can. But she knows if he keeps running into women like yourself, he never will. <laughs> now I'm getting ahead of their Father's Day. There won't be a won't be a seat in here with a person with a man in it. They go clear out before him. now. I, now I let the cat out of the bag. Ah, rat. But you know what I'm talking about. You parents know when your children are mature enough and they can think for themselves and have real plans and are grounded. You know, get focused and, and know where they're going. You know when that takes place, huh? Some kids, you have to get out of their way. It happens very quickly with some. But then for some, it just doesn't happen as quickly. But it doesn't mean it won't happen if you can keep them from making a commitment before it's time. Amen? Before it's time. You know, some, some you know, young men, that if they don't, turn themselves around they're just going to be perpetual uh, uh, you know ATM machines DNA test court ATM machine another one DNA test court ATM machine you don't want that for your seed 
time. That's why the mother's there to nurture. You know, in the beginning of life, the woman has really the most central role because children need so much. And the husband then has a backseat role and allows her to fulfill that nurturing role, caring for that child, making sure those needs are met so that 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 child can feel secure and they can learn life. Insecure people do not learn very well. That's why nurturing is so valuable and so vitally important. If your children don't feel loved and and have lots of fears, their attention span is not very strong. Now they're talking about one in so many kids have. It goes up every year, more and more and more, have attention deficit disorder, have, uh, what's that other thing, uh, where they sit out there and, it's what begins with an A, yeah, autism, that thing. They, I run out of numbers. I just call it alphabet soup disease because it's from a lack of security and secure feeling nurturing. What happens to a child when they feel nervous and insecure is that their imagination expands. And they have visitations from all kinds of voices that tell them they're nothing, they're nobody, they're this, they're that. And they pay more attention to that than they do to the voices on the outside because they've been absent from them. Nobody's told them. Nobody's, when they, when they cry, nobody pulled them up on their lap and just held them till they stopped crying. You got me? Nurturing. And so in the absence of that, we have a whole generation now of alphabet soup disorders on children where they can't learn, they can't understand, they can't figure out things. We get dropout rates over 70% in some high schools in young men. Because they have not been properly nurtured to feel secure, feel valuable. You know, the, the greatest thing that, that a human being can feel is value and worth. When you strip that from them, there's no foundation for learning other things. Now, as long as we've been at this education bit, we ought to understand that by now. But we don't. It's not going to be found in a daycare center where there are churny children to two or three people and those people resent having to take care of your child. It's not going to be found there. So the role of nurturing life outside of the womb is just as important as nurturing it within the womb. More challenging. Takes longer takes more sacrifice and more commitment. Nurturing is an act of the will and it is also an act of relationship where that mother has to feel that she can relate to that. She has to be willing to make an act of her will and form a relationship with that child to nurture that child. That's where a lot of people fall down because they don't want to get tied up, tied down. I was in college in my early years and, and, you know, young women always are making plans. Well, I'm going to go to graduate school. I think I'll put my children off another couple of years because I don't want to be tied down. That was the big thing with women. Don't want to be tied down. 
I see now that many of them are not. Because somebody else takes care of the child now. And that's very common. In the old days, it used to be a privilege for the wealthy. But they had live-in help. Huh? It's different than dropping them off somewhere and leaving them all day. Even with that, you had many wealthy children grow up with problems because the nanny spends more time with me than my mother does. And they begin to relate to that nurturer more as a mother than they do as their natural mother. So there's really no replacement, folks, for that nurturing role that comes through the natural mother of that child. There's no replacement. Unless God in his mercy sees fit because he's merciful toward that child to allow that child to have a sense of worth even with the rejection of the natural mother. You have some adoptions where children are very content, very stable, but even in the back of their minds they wonder what happened with why, why was I given up? Why, 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 why? There's questions there. And they will affect their lives forever simply because they don't have that sense of contentment. They don't have that sense of value that comes through nurturing from a natural mother that gave birth to them and saw fit to hold on even when things were difficult, times were hard, whatever went on, they held on and they decided, I'm going to fulfill my role. If for no other reason you understand that this child is your responsibility and you must do it because this child came from you and this child must understand that they are loved, they are cared for, they don't need to be feeling rejected, they don't need to feel on the outside. And I know we live in a society that tells you that, you know, you don't have to be married and that you know that is not scriptural. But I think the other side of it, too, is that if you, when you are married, that you have a, a godly relationship and foundation in your marriage. You, you can't have a marriage, a Christian marriage, and have the world's values in it. You can't do the same thing you see the world doing and put a Christian label on your life and think that God is going to honor that and things will go well. Things will start to unravel and fall apart very quickly because you're cheating somewhere. See, if you've got a little bit, people like the things of the world because they don't know God well enough to just drop that and say, I'm going to go God's way and forget about what the world is telling me. It takes a lot of courage to do that as a Christian. You understand me? It, it's, it's something that we as, as Christians even don't like to challenge one another with. You know, if you challenge some woman, to, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't spend so much time at your job or you shouldn't spend so much time in your career. Maybe you can put that off for, oh, you've committed a great sin if you try to involve yourself in somebody's life like that. But you know in your heart, if you're any kind of a woman yourself and you're any kind of a mother yourself, you know in your heart that the greatest investment any woman can make is in the life of nurturing those children that she has brought into the earth. That's the greatest investment. And it can't be made by a lot of other people. It can't be made by anybody else. It must be made by that woman. So... 
when we talk about that, this is an assignment that was made to the woman. And of course, the enemy wants to disrupt this assignment. And he cloaks himself in a way that looks attractive. Especially when it comes to the area of career, money, and finances. I can remember my mother telling us many times, you know, well, I made a sacrifice for you and I stay at home because I want to take care of you. And and we always were looking at what somebody else had and comparing that, you know, how kids are. And if you're a wise woman, you'll tell your kid to shut up and mind their own business and let you take care of this because you got this. You know what I'm saying? And they somehow learn to accept it and quit bringing that outside influence in. But there are many, many times that you will be called upon to do extraordinary things because God sees that as your role and your responsibility. And and many times women feel the weight of that responsibility when they go off to work. They don't like that feeling of having to leave that little one for the first time. And, And somehow they erase that feeling. It's not such a haunt to them after a while. You know, you even have counselors who will tell you, whatever you do, don't feel guilty. You understand what I'm saying? Well, how do you not feel guilty if God is telling you something's your responsibility to do? You got me? It's it's just going to be there. And so I think what we need to do is go to God more with these things and ask for his help and his guidance. What's wrong with asking God to help you with the gift that he's given you in being able to give you a family? And so many times people don't do the obvious to me, which is to go to God and ask him, God, is there a better way? Is there a way I can be there for my children and also have a decent lifestyle? You got me? And if you put it to them real honest, because that's what most people want. They want not to have to have the sting of short finances, et cetera, et cetera. And if you can ask God if he can work that out for you, I tell you, God will find a way to do it for you. He will find a way to do it for you. The problem we have is people find their own way too much, and you'll always find your way back under the world system, doing things the way people in the world do. And then there goes the Christian, you know, your commitment to God as a Christian. It goes out of the window because now you're stuck in the world system. Now you got the mortgage that's too big and you got all the payments on the car and all the braces and all the other stuff that goes with it. And so you're not able to handle all of that. And then when you're committed to it, then you're scared to get God involved because you're scared he's going to tell you you can't have it. Huh? And so we, we have to, as believers, get more courage than this. We can't live as wimps and weenies for the world and for the world system and let our kids get sacrificed on the altar bail with everybody else's children that are in these crazy schools because we're living a different life and we want that that light to shine and that light to be known as a christian life and so uh, we're going to have to as believers understand our role and what will come come to us from god if we will just trust him in these basic things trust him from day one don't get involved don't get yourself overwhelmed in responsibility and bills and and all of this stuff Women are dying at a, a, a heart disease has increased in women. Uh, men have always had increased heart disease. Why? If you had that curse of the sweat of your brow and all that 
on you, you have a short life because that's a burden unless you know how to go to God and get that burden released from you. But now women are having heart disease and heart attacks at the same rate because they're taking on stresses of of corporations and companies and all of that kind of nonsense at the same rate as men. And so if your role and your assignment is to nurture and care for all living things and you go out there in the corporate world, they can't appreciate what you have to offer. So, you know, the only thing they'll do in a nurtury is let you make coffee for somebody else's husband. And you resent that. So then the nurturing aspect gets short-circuited. It does. You have to stifle that. You can't enjoy it. You can't let it flourish. You can't let it bless and prosper people because society is telling you it's not necessary. We don't need you for that. We have daycare. We have school. We have all of that. And so the government packages your children up and ships them off and you. They like it if you have nothing to say about it ever. And they're fixing it now so that parents have less and less to say about their kids' education, how they're treated in school. You know, this morning after pill for 15-year-olds over the counter, it's always been that you don't have a say. They can get an abortion at 16 and don't tell mommy or daddy or anybody about it. So because the government has told the woman now, you asked for this, women. You want it to be liberated. This is what it's like when, when Caesar sets you free and you don't let Jesus do it. This is the result of it. Uh-huh. So you wind up being stifled in your natural God-given roles and abilities as nurturers and mothers of all living, seeing after everything and, and taking care of things the way God created you to do. You have that gift and that ability in you. But the government says, stifle that, short-circuit it, go get a job because we don't need that anymore. You got me? The government will do that now. Somebody else will do that. And you don't do that in role anymore. One day it'll be forbidden. You don't think it'll be that way, but it will be. It's almost forbidden now because of the pressures that's put on families as far as the things that that children need, uh, the material things that are sought after, uh, the lifestyle that people have. Nowadays, everybody's got to have a cell phone in the house. used to be that was a rare thing. Now everybody's got to have a computer. Lifestyle is so expensive now that you almost have to if you're going to even keep up with things in the world. I'm not talking about any kind of pride of life thing where you're keeping up with the Joneses. But I mean if you're just going to be able to communicate with somebody, your kids be able to do their homework, all that stuff, you've got to have a computer, you've got to have uh, telephones, cell phones, iPads, you've got to have cable, you've got to have all that kind of stuff. And somebody's got to pay for it. And so now it's gotten to the point it's almost demanded that you hand over the nurturing role of your own offspring to somebody else. And so as Christians, talking about Christians now, We're going to have to be people of great courage, women particularly. We're going to have to stop letting the world beat us up for what we want to do with our lives. Now we've got to go back the reverse way. Where the women felt they had to fight to get out of the house, now women are going to have to fight to get back in again. 
Amen. Amen. They're going to have to fight to get back in. And we're going to have to pay the price of faith and pay the price of starting from square one and trusting God and allowing God to come in and help us with the role that he has created us to do. So we're going to talk about the role of the woman that God approves of. This is the God-approved woman. And this is what she does. And this is her reward. So in Proverbs 31, you didn't know I was going to get to that one, did you? (laughs) You know that chick in there that y'all don't like. You wish she wasn't up in there. I don't know who made that up. I ain't never met nobody like that. Well, God sees her and envisions her in all women. I mean, he really, really does. The most you can do, listen, if the most you can do as a Christian woman is is do a two out of three or five out of six or three out of five, you know, best of seven or something like that. I mean, then do that. Start there. But let's get to understanding what God expects and how he expects us to live as Christian women. The highest level of woman in the earth is the Christian woman. That's the highest quality woman in the earth. You got me? And don't ever let anybody tell you any different. Don't ever let anybody take that from you. The word virtuous means, uh, it talks about the virtuous woman. 31, let me see. It starts in verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous woman? Now, that word virtuous is a little bit unusual. I found some, some interesting definitions of it. From the Strong's Concordance, the word virtuous for virtuous actually means an army. Yeah, scary, ain't it? A force to be reckoned with, in other words. My mother was, was uh, you know, pretty much a woman that stayed at home and she didn't bother anybody. Nobody bothered her until somebody messed with one of us. It was like the whole world came in, you know, on you. And I'm talking about it had to be bad. She was a wise woman. Like if you were having a disturbance with another child on the street, she didn't interfere. She just give you your instructions. You know, you come in there, Mama, so and so hit me. You better get out there. I'm going to You didn't hear all them words, but you knew with that tone and that spirit behind it. You went right out there and you fought your best. Huh? <laughs> okay, Mama, they don't mess with me no more. You know, all she wanted. She don't want to be disturbed. Huh? But there was a family on our street that liked to, and these were very strange people, just crazy people. They, they didn't have good sense. And uh, they would, you know, kind of come out and it's a bunch of them walking across the road. They would, you'd have to go around them, you know, that kind of nonsense. These were grown people and in the family and they would do that. And so, you know, one by one, they would intimidate different families on the street. And so one, <clears throat> one night, 
you know, we'd watch them to see who they were picking on next. You know, you just see them one by one by one. And so one day my sister, Aunt Dweez, came home. <laughs> she was in junior high school. And she was walking home from the bus stop. And she was mad. When Aunt Dweez get mad, then, you know, the whole house is upset. Because she wasn't that type of person. She wasn't emotional herself, you know. And so Aunt Dweez came upstairs and threw her books down and said them in whatever blank, blank people that jumped on me. And that inflamed my mother. My dad was at home. My mother got up, went down the steps, and my dad, now May, you know, he's the peacemaker. So how many of you know peacemakers have their place, but when they need to sit down, they need to sit down. And so my mother went out and grabbed, she grabbed for one, and they started running, you know, because she's a very, very large woman. And they knew if they disturbed her, (laughs) the whole world was going to be disturbed. And they would actually take people to court and lie and said that you were the one that perpetrated. I mean, they they were crazy people. You know, you could see how the devil controls to control the whole neighborhood. You got to control law enforcement and all that. And I remember the day when the police came and arrested my mother for assault. And she told the neighbor downstairs, she gave him her lawyer's number, and she said, you call him and you tell him that I've been arrested and to come down to the jail because that's where I'm going to be. And she just went as dignified as you please. And she, in that time, they had those big wagons they would put you in. She got up in that wagon and she went down to jail. They never put her in a cell. The police just sat her down and talked to her. And they said, Miss, I don't understand. You seem like such a peaceful woman. I don't understand how people could say these things and so forth. She never got in a cell. The lawyer came. They didn't post a bail. No money was needed. They just let her go home until the trial date. You understand me? That's what this word virtuous means. Army. 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 See, there's no stopping an army. Uh, there's no stopping an army. That word virtuous also means wealth. It means strength. It means a force. See, this is why the devil wants you working all the time and not really being a woman of virtue, able to nurture and care for all living the way God's assigned you to do. Because he wants you just as tired as your husband. He wants you needing a, a yoga classes so you can unwind. Uh, that's for Christians. People in the world, you know what you do. It's happy hour. Uh, you just go and knock a few back. Then you can have AA. Huh? I mean, the devil's got a program for you. All because we don't do what God's assigned us to do. We don't, we don't, our joy is not in our God-given roles, our God-given talents, and our God-given abilities. You've got to find joy in what God called you to do, in the way he's called you. You've got to find contentment there. If you don't, you'll be restless all your life. You'll be wondering, why did I? And you look back and say, you know what? I see it now. I should have done so and so and so and so when I. 
The devil likes to keep you, uh, you know, uh, out of order. Keep your life in compartments where, you know, you should have done this at this age, but you chose not to and you did that. And now you see the result of it thing. Regrets. He's the father of regrets. Because he's the father of lies. That, woman, that word also means war. It means worthy. If you've got a career to protect, you, that takes the warrior out of you. See, my mother was in army because she stayed at home and did, took care of her children. She, she watched over her children and she was in her role. And she was entitled to everything at God's disposal to help her to carry that out. I don't care if you don't agree with it. You know, you can let the world tell you what to do until Jesus comes. But I'm telling you that God has ordained us in these roles. He has positioned us this way. And you will find your greatest contentment, greatest worth, greatest strength. See, I watch women in the world. And they're always trying to prove who they are through what they do in the workplace. But you know, a man doesn't have that attitude about his work. He said, uh-uh, they got me for eight hours after that. It's, I'm done with it. That's not who I am right there. See, the poor woman was wandering, trying to find her identity and all of that kind of stuff. You know, you never have enough degrees. You know, I, I know because I lived that way for years. I lived that way till I was 30 years old. And I know the difference. So y'all can't fool me. Bunch of pretenders. Huh? Can't fool the Baba. Huh? I can smell it when I'm around women who are under that pressure. You know, you get that, that attitude in the atmosphere, you see, that wandering. There's no contentment there. There's no happiness there. The things that would make you happy, you just glance over them. You know, you give them a perfunctory, mm, nice, and move on. There's restlessness there. We don't need 50% or more of the human race restless. We need to be content. And we need to be fine contentment in our God-given function, role, calling, and ability. Woo, it's quiet. That's worth saying again. We need to find contentment in God-given role, function, and ability. When, when I got saved, <clears throat> I asked the Lord what he wanted me to do. Because it seemed like I was just in a different world than I'd ever lived in before. And it seemed like I couldn't go back to doing the same thing that I was doing and, and you know, be right with God. And so I talked to God about that. And so he told me, he said, well, he said, I want you to be a minister for me. And I thought, wow. And I said, well, where do I go to school? That was, you see what I'm saying? Weak, feeble. Where do I go to school? Where do I sign up? How do I get grant money to work for God? You understand what I'm saying? That's the way my mind clicked all the time because I was a professional student. Huh? 
I got so many certificates I could sell you some. You got me? And diplomas and degrees and always ever learning, ever learning, ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You got me? Always learning. Just sign up for some more. huh? Because that's the way my brain was programmed. So I was asking him, who's going to pay for my, where do I go to, what kind of degree, divinity, da, da, da. And he never answered me on the degree in divinity. He said, just keep reading your Bible. Just keep reading the word. Just keep reading the word. Well, what else do I do, God? He said, and take care of your husband. I said, do what? Didn't know he need caring for. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's just how much attention I. <laughs> and I said, you mean like, I mean, I had to ask God, you mean like if he wants so-and-so, I do this. And you mean like if I, and he taught me where my brain had been fried from disuse. He had to put that back together again. And I read Proverbs 31, and I said, mm, this shouldn't even be in nobody's Bible. I and when my husband got saved, I was scared he'd find it in his. And I would have to step up my game, you know. I mean, who, can do, who can find her? I don't know, Lord. Does she really exist? <laughs> huh? <laughs> it's the truth. So he taught me how to take care of my husband through his word. How did he feel? Did he feel worthwhile? I don't know, God. I didn't know that was my job. Huh? But I found that your words and your actions are seeds. When they're planted toward people, they begin to feed them. They begin to grow off your words and your actions, all that kind of stuff. I thought, well, he got his job and I got mine. And if I keep hiding my money and don't let him see no stubs, you know, until, you know, like at the end of the year and they don't remember it. They just look at the, you know, what the internal revenue for you for your taxes. And I said, well, look, look, baby, look, we can get this back. And that's all I was concerned about. He had his job. I had mine. See? He was grown. He took care of himself. I didn't know he needed somebody really to take care of him. You understand what I'm saying? It was new to me. And so I found out that as you function in your God-given role, your value to God increases. Your value to humanity increases. Your value as a minister increases. It does not increase by ever learning And never coming to the knowledge of the truth. It increases through relationship with God and obedience, understanding what the word says. Feeding on that word and making it your job to obey that word that God puts in your heart to obey. And understanding people as God understands them. I found that there were a whole bunch of people out there that need to be nurtured. Most of them are sitting in congregations and churches. We got whole congregations of people who never have known that anybody cared about them. You understand? I mean in a real way, through a relationship. 
that shows people, you know, somebody's looking out for that need that you have. Somebody cares about whether that need gets met. If it's through a prayer, uh, a prayer of agreement with a person. That's the most nurturing thing sometimes ministers can do. But most of them are too busy to do it. And they don't delegate it to anybody that's competent either. So now we got to have, to get our needs met as believers, most of us have to go through the distant relationship of the prayer hotline. Call somebody you don't know, you don't know if they care, you don't know if God cares, but this is your only hope to get out of the trouble that you're in. Whereas it used to be given to a man or a woman of God who knew you, knew your children, knew where you lived, cared about you, could pray with you, and you knew it was genuine. It was done through relationship instead of this long distance thing. But that's better than nothing. But see, the whole world has gone that way now. Now we don't even meet people in the situations. We meet them now online. We don't know if there's people on there real or not. But we're willing to take a chance because we're so desperate, see, for companionship. Because nothing's real anymore. We've so distanced ourselves from God-given roles that nothing is real anymore. And God wants to bring his people back to the dignity that he's called us to. The virtuous woman is a woman of worth. She's a woman of worth. So in Proverbs 31 and verse 10, her worth is more precious than jewels. You could have, can't put a price on a good mother. You can't put a price on that. What, what would you pay to have somebody? You couldn't pay anybody to do what a good nurturing mother does. Somebody who can let you be assured that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, most young people go off into bad relationships because nobody's ever told them they're okay. And children will come up to parents all day long looking for just, I'm okay. They don't want expensive things. They don't want all the toys. They want affirmation that I'm okay. Can you give me a little time so that I know I'm okay and there's nothing wrong with me? Because when they go out to school to face other children, they pick at them and they tell them, you look funny, you're this, you're that, you wore that, what you did. Then when they come home, they need somebody to tell them they're okay. That's all. You're okay. And to demonstrate it. The same thing with husbands and wives. Most of them are suffering because they're looking to what they do in life to affirm them instead of looking to God For that kind of love and that kind of contentment and acceptance. You know, a little bit of time in God's presence can fix up everything that's wrong in your life. But yet careers dictate you don't have time for God. It's nothing but the same old thing that that God came and liberated Israel from. We got the same thing working in the world now. Oh, Pharaoh lording it over you. Huh? When you get to work, you don't put in enough time. When you put in as much time as you can, you robbed everybody in the house of time that you could spend with them. When you get to to Pharaoh, it still ain't enough time. You need more hours in the day to give to him so he can promote you and make you feel like you're somebody. I got news for you, somebody already. 
You know, God told me that years ago. I kept telling God, I said, well, God, what am I going to do for a living? What am I going to do to make a living? What am I going to do? And he said, if you never did anything else, you're okay with me. Because he knew in my heart I was craving uh, the desire to, to be affirmed through my works and what I did and where I went to school and what kind of education and did I do this and do, did I do that. You understand? He stripped me of all of that. And he let me know that in my stripped condition I was okay with him and that's all that ever mattered. He made it okay with everybody else. As, as concerned, I'll put it that way, that's being nice, as my husband always was about money. <laughs> <laughs> and take care of his money. After I just told him, I said, well, you know, I said, I don't really think I'm supposed to be working right now. He said, well, what do you feel like doing? And I said, well, I said, I just really, he said, if you want to do this, do this. That was the last I heard of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? He never demanded that I go work. Even after I was healed, he never demanded. He felt content doing what he was doing because I had started doing what God told me to do to make him feel content where he was. You got me? Now, there was a lot of times I had my hand in the cookie jar. (laughs) Huh? But even that wasn't a problem. You understand what I'm Now, I joke about it a lot because... You know, a, a woman's, uh, the army within me, the army within me wants to conquer his paycheck. But there's something in you that just wants that. I don't know if it's God or if it's, I think it's the army within me. I think it's from this scripture. <laughs> Whatever. But the army within you. (laughs) Women, please don't rob yourselves of that. (laughs) If nothing else, realize the army. Well, I don't need that. I make my own money. I heard that. What you think you make? Huh? I can do what I want to do. Sure. Okay. Well, go back to verse 10. See, the more you affirm that inside of you, the harder it's going to be for you to have a real rich relationship with your husband. You've got to let that go. The world will tell you that's the way you're supposed to feel, but you've got to fight that. You've got to let that go. Because for a Christian woman, that's like a death sentence. You got me? Seeing you don't need somebody. Because that gets transferred to him. You crown him with, I don't need you. Well, how would you like not to be needed? Well, you know, if you do that, you'll just be babying some man and spoiling them. No, they're a long way from spoiled. I'll tell you right now. Most of them are a long way from spoiled. You know what I'm saying? They're just hanging on the thread to their masculinity. Can I go there? So you start out with, I don't need you. And then pretty soon they'll start to find somebody who does. Then they don't have to have a skirt on many times. (laughs) 
what y'all want me to tell you. Listen, this is church. We're supposed to tell the truth in church, right? I can't say this to, to sinners, so you stuck with this, all right? Huh? I mean, men are fighting to hold on to, to their identity. They really are. You know, we got Miss uh, uh, Fashion Queens. See, that didn't just happen by accident. That's, that's the devil's design. See, to make a man want to be a queen instead of a king because some witch then already crowned him as I don't need you. See, if you, you feel unnecessary, you'll be driven to a place where you feel necessary. We all want to feel valued. We all want to feel worthwhile. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel accepted and encouraged just the way we are. And then the person can help us build a life from there. That's what you do. A woman of strength helps a man to build the life that God created him to build. Not something you think is okay. It's a life God created him to build. You help him to build that. You don't go in and tear it down. The minute he starts doing something, you're critical of it. Or you, well, I make most of the money here, I, you know. Mm. Or half of it. Or none of it. You know, we can all use that. You got me? So we can always feel like we can lord it over someone just because they let us. Society's whipping on men that... that you know, want to be men and want to lead the household and feel like, I feel like our families come to call to something really great. And you're looking for a woman to be your helper in that. Oh man, you get out here and all these sharks and barracudas. You slam the door and run out of there so quick. You and your little dream too has left the machine and shredded it all up. You in tatters and rags, a little nerve sitting over in the corner. Look at all the great men that don't come forward because they have no room. The door's crowded. Too crowded. And so the Christian woman, if what strength is now as far as a woman is concerned, is pulling back. Instead of lunging forward. We all know we're all capable of everything. I am woman, hear me war. We done done that already. So we all know we can do all kinds of things. The question is, does your virtue and your strength allow you to pull back so that he can be elevated to the God-given place that God called him to be? Simple question. Can you be content with some godly restraint that allows you to fulfill the role he called you to so that that man can be elevated to fulfill the role God called him to. We all make mistakes. He might make a few mistakes in front of you. That doesn't disqualify him as a head. You got me? That doesn't disqualify him as a man. He's just a man who's trying to make mistakes. He needs somebody to help him encourage him to get back out again. 
We're not finished. Let's go out and do this again. We're going to make it. You understand what I'm saying? As a team, we're going to make it. So as God begins to deal with us, folks, in these things, real courage sometimes is more restraint than it is aggression. The army is within. It's not roaring at people trying to make them bow and all that kind of stuff. But the army is reserved for when it's needed. But it will go forth and it will cause great things to happen in humanity because we understand our role, we're comfortable in it, and we're allowing God to lead us in it. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding. (laughs) This has just been a truth weekend, folks. You got me? Because it's necessary. Christians need to speak. We're called to go forth and preach, not be silent and let the rest of the world just do what they want to do and and have free reign everywhere. And we've got to live and demonstrate who we are, unashamed and unafraid. Don't be afraid of being Eve. Don't be afraid of being the mother of all living, nurturing and being glad to do that, knowing that you'll fulfill God's role for you. And, And do it without... Blame and without the curse, without fear, without intimidation, do it freely in in the spirit of God. And God will certainly bless. He will bless for that role. He will bless for it. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come up and I'll pray for you.